Hi, and welcome to a Real Track Talk edition of Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 55. We have part one of a two-part Great Walks of New Zealand podcast. You guys being The Long Ways Better, Donovan and Alyssa. Welcome, Alyssa. Hello. So over Christmas and New Year's, you guys flew over to the, uh, the East Islands of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'd be happy to hear that, but yes, we did. No, I'm sure they probably disowned us as the West Island <laughs> at the moment. Um, so you did the Abel Tasman Coast Track, which is what we're going to talk about in this episode, and the Tongariro Northern Circuit. That's the second one. Yep. So, what inspired you guys to, to head off? I know you've always wanted to go to New Zealand, but why this time of year and why these two? So, Tongariro was the instigator for us going because of Mount Doom, you know, being a Lord of the Rings nerd as you are. Yeah. Um, it was something that I really wanted to do. And when we decided we were going to go, I said to Alyssa, why don't you pick the other one? Yeah, and so I chose, yeah I chose Abel Tasman. Um, looking at the pictures, it looks right up my alley. It's all forest and coastal, which is my jam. Whereas Don is totally more into mountains. So I think this was the best of both worlds of us compromising on hikes. Nice. <laughs> One yeah. of both. Yeah, without us doing, you know, I think we could have gone and done the Milford and Rootburn, but my heart was set on doing Tongariro. And then, you know, it wouldn't, Logistically, it didn't make sense to go and do one of the Fjordland walks. So it was better, I think, to do something else. And Abel Tasman was something that Alyssa immediately caught her eye. And yeah, that's why we did it. With the intention of eventually getting to the Fjordland hikes as well. So, <laughs> Which, uh, sadly, have most some of them have been washed away. Yeah. yeah. But they'll, they'll recover. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get there eventually. But because we had, you know, specific ones we wanted to do... We've put those on the back burner and we will return to them, but just not this trip. And in terms of time of the year, other than the fact that for, it's great for us to get time off at Christmas, um, but I think it's the ideal walking time. It's kind of the peak tourism season. Yeah, summer hikes. is it's, it's like uh, Tasmania in that it has their peak season in the summer months rather than the mainland of Australia, where it's you know generally the cooler months. The only mm. thing being that you have to be very vigilant at waking up at the right time to book the hikes because they book out very fast. Yep. Um, so we had very specific dates in mind. So that meant getting up in July one morning at 3 a.m. with the dates in front of us ready to book so that we could nab the huts in the right order and on the right days. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So we, plan, plan ahead if you're planning on doing it. And had we gone the other way around, we would have missed out because the Abel Tasman dates for when we did Tongariro were booked out. So it's certainly something to keep in mind if you're going to book. So, yeah, as you said, great walks do need to be booked very early and there is an opening, which is usually a <laughs> very busy time for those that are planning. So in terms of the location and distance, this one's on the northern tip of the South Island and it's a kind of four and a half day hike is it's not really a f true five day yeah that's hike. right yeah. yeah um so it's you know it's about 60 k's one way abel tasman so it's pretty cruisy if you compare that that's a five day walk well you know four and a half versus the cape to cape which is 135 over seven days mm. that's you know quite a lot more kilometers per day uh so it, it kind of lends itself more to as what the Lonely Planet guide sort of referred to as a beach holiday on foot because <laughs> it's it's not super hard, especially if you've done other hiking. And it's probably a good first hike for people, I think. And there were lots of families and kind of first hikers on the, on the track. So I think it's definitely advertised and those kind of people really take it up because it is. It's great for families. It's not too intense. It's lots of beautiful huts. Yeah, lovely vistas to see and beaches to swim in, so, yeah. All right, well, let's get stuck in then. So, day one, and I'm going to put a warning on this one that we are going to be butchering all of the names quite severely, so we apologise to any Kiwis out there listening. 
that uh, we are murdering your language. So it's Marahawa, is that right? I think it's Marahawa. Marahawa. I feel like we're all getting this wrong <laughs> because when we were getting picked up by our bus transfer, so we got we started in Nelson, we stayed in Nelson and left our luggage there and got a um, a bus transfer service to this aforementioned place. <laughs> um, and when the guy came to pick us up, he said, oh, everyone going to Marahau, I can't say it. And we both looked at each other and were like, I don't think that's us. <laughs> and then we realized very fast, actually, no, that was us. We just totally didn't know how to say the words. Yep. Yeah, so I th- we'll for now to say Marahau and apologies to everyone. Uh, but at the end of the day, we can all pronounce it Anchorage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so just a little over 12 Ks on this first day. Do you start from quite a populated area? Um, yeah. yeah, it's sort of on the outskirts of a little settlement there. Um, and they've got a visitor center, but we basically just were, let's get going. You know, we I think we were quite surprised. Like people were just standing around. We were like, Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Plus, after being in a bus for like 45 minutes as well, it's kind of like you're eager to get going and get started. Yeah. But Marahal seems kind of like a big hub of people that were there just for day hikes or c- canoeing was a big thing there or the water taxis that can drop you off at different points um, as well as lots of really nice kind of cafes and bars and things so definitely driving through there was a hub of activity mm. and we yeah we pretty much didn't spend much time there just mm. straight to, into walking yeah and to start the uh the great walk it is very momentous with the uh the little statue public art thing that you walk through yeah they've got a really nice sort of gateway like you see them sometimes in some of those american um, you know the long trails or some of the national parks they have that really great entry statement sign mm. and this has like you know a maori carving and very stylish and makes you feel like yes this is a great walk and i've begun something yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep so what's the walking like on this first day i think we were pleasantly surprised how like clear the path was and could, we could we could get quite a good speed going because it was just you didn't have to look down and worry that you're going to trip you could kind of really take in the beautiful scenery because you you had this nice kind of i don't know how to describe the path it was just nice clear yeah it's very well graded Mm. you know it's not like um you know particularly in i think in tasmania you get a lot of these sort of very uneven tracks uh except for maybe three capes or some of the really more you know tourist geared walks um whereas this was very much you know you can see that the standard was really high like they wanted to make this as user-friendly as possible so the track was you know perfectly well graded and this day as well the elevation was pretty even like it, it had its ups and downs but there were no like serious spikes some soft undulating yeah and it, it got it got it was a good first day because you kind of got to ease into it on what is already not a really challenging hike. Mm. Now, what time did you guys start this one? Being dropped off by bus about nine a.m. I believe. Yeah, yep, that sounds about right. Got in. So you still had plenty of time just to chill out before you got to the the hut. Yeah, you know we wanted to get going so i mean we, we waited in the morning we went for breakfast and you know we went to the bus uh, station at the eyesight and then got going um but we didn't dilly dally i think we're not really people who chill out halfway in a in a hike i just i feel like for us we might have like a little stop and have some food if it's a really long day or we might stop and kind of take in a beautiful scene or have some a drink of water and talk about what we've been looking at. Mm. But we're not the kind of people who will stop and necessarily have a swim or yeah. get the billy out or, yeah. And I think that that comes from where we've cut our teeth on, which is the Bibbleman track, mm. where, you know, you might have 24 Ks in a day. So there's no time to just waste because you want to get to the other side at a reasonable time. And that reasonable time could be four o'clock if you're doing 24 Ks. So I think that that's given us a certain way of hiking that maybe other people, like some other people when they saw us were like, you guys never stop for a break at all, do you? (laughs) Um, And yet we probably felt that we were going fairly leisurely. Yeah, I felt guilty at points because I stopped a lot to take in the 
the beautiful like ocean views or to look at the beautiful ferns or the weckers, the little bush chooks that were walking around. (laughs) So often like I'd be behind because I was taking it all in, but then we'd always catch up to each other and still manage to keep a good pace. So yeah, I feel like we were quite comfortable on the track. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we got into the hut about 12, so that was like a a good three three hours for the first yeah, time. I think so. Yeah. I think we were quite fast as well, being the first day and being really excited. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. what were some of the, the highlights of this first day? Any cool beaches, great rainforest? All of the above. All of the above? Yeah. It's a good mix. I think we were surprised at how nice the rainforest was along the coast, because... While we've seen a lot of rainforest in in Tassie, that's been more sort of in the mountains. And same with in in Queensland, where they've got similarly Gondwanan-looking forest. That's again in the hinterland. Whereas this was right on the water, and the density and the beauty of the forest was really fantastic. I remember you comparing it to the Otways. Yeah, Similar that's actually in coastal rainforest combo. That's yeah, that's a good comparison because certainly the Otways and Wilson's Prom, they're like you you have the beach and then there's forest there, which is not something that we see in Western Australia where there's normally there's heath and then forest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh Anchorage Hut. This is kind of your introduction to hut glamping. <laughs> Uh, upgraded uh, facilities. What were your thoughts on the first night? Fantastic, <laughs> you super know, like, fancy. It um, I think this was our first time staying in a great walk hut, and it kind of spoiled us. I think for other places where they weren't quite as nice, but this was, it it had all the things that would make it comfortable and a pleasure to stay in. So it had, you know, shared rooms, but individual bunks. In multiple rooms as well, so you know, all together. And they had a massive sort of common room with uh, big benches everywhere and massive kitchen area, filtered water, so you didn't have to treat water. <laughs> had flushing toilets. Yep. Oh, wow. a beautiful grassed area. We sat out and watched little birds everywhere. Yeah. And the view of Torrent Bay from Anchorage is just like ridiculous. Mm. Um, we sort of thought it looked a bit more like. Vietnam, like there was the the way that the the granite forms in casts, it even though granite is very common in Australia, it doesn't form in the same way that it did here, and so it had these bays that had a very different look to Australia while still being formed of granite. And getting in around midday and being the height of summer, um, what did you guys do for the eight to nine hours until the sunset? I think we ate lunch, the usual lunch, pack everything down, change clothes, play some games, walk around the beach, yeah. talk to people. Yeah, we got to you know know quite a few people. Like there was a group that we kind of we didn't walk with them, but we stayed in the huts with them. So you know we got to know quite a few people, and we got to explore the campsite as well because there was you know there's a lot of things to see in the area. Um, and it's worth just going for a bit of a stroll and having a look and, you know, the beach is lovely. Mm. You mentioned the other hikers that you're with. How many you have to book? How many, What's the maximum limit that they set? So it's based on the number of people that stay in the huts. So I think that they range from like 20 to 26 or 28. But there are also a lot of people who are tenting because there are alternate itineraries that people can do where they can stay in tents either at the same place so adjacent to the hut and they all have their own facilities like they don't use the hut facilities or there are alternate campsites as well so you could split it up differently if you had if you had a different itinerary like if you want it to be longer or shorter so yeah at torrent bay though it was very very busy when we got there um it's a very popular point for the water taxi to drop people off and pick people up at. Mm. So I think for that reason, the amount of day visitors, it was just people everywhere when we got there at midday. A lot of boats moored in the the bay as well. And then also big groups of people doing canyoning that kept coming in and through. Yeah. 
Yeah, so very active. It was just, it, I was almost blown away by how many people on like the first hut that we were around, surrounded by. Usually I'm so used to being kind of somewhere quite excluded from the society. But here we were right in the middle of like, yeah, lots and lots of people out and about. Yeah, it was almost like, you know, the first day when we did the Cape to Cape, when we stayed in Yelling yeah. Up, it was like the same level of busy. And that's yeah. a beach town and this was just a an a area <laughs> yeah okay so we'll move on to day two so anchorage to bark bay that's a lot easier to say hey. <laughs> although there is an alternative name for that so again not a very long day it's only 11 and a half kilometers but it does introduce you to the tidal areas that this walk is very famous for um what's it like in the morning part of the day it was really pleasant when you book it really is up to the you know the tides are a bit of luck of the draw because you you could pick it based on the tides but we just picked it based on well this is when we're going to go and so as a result the tides were not necessarily favorable for us to walk the low tide route most of the time so because of that we went the the high tide route but that was actually perfectly fine um going the high tide route meant that we got we skirted around the the inlet the estuary that fills up and it's kind of worth doing because on this day there's a side trip to Cleopatra's pool and it's just a really stunning little area along the river where there's there's a waterfall flowing into a pool on the river so that's a worthwhile side trip only takes 15 minutes to do so it I think it you know, sometimes with these things where there's like, there's, this is the longer route, it's, it feels like this is a compromise. This didn't feel like that. Yeah. Well, especially if you've only got 11 and a half Ks, it's not like it's going to add time and distance and be a hassle. It's probably a, a good thing to go the longer, longer way. Yes. It could be said to be, be better. better. <laughs> <laughs> was this, I, from my memory, I believe this was also one of two side trips was there a second one on this day there was a really long one that rod who was a guy we met on the first day he was like i've got so much time i'm gonna do the side trip and then we ran into him and said oh was it worth it he said nope <laughs> he said <laughs> if he had bumped into us on the way going up he would have told us to turn around <laughs> he said it was a big slog up that was worth it for was not worth it yep yeah, yeah. so there is other options but i was quite grateful that we didn't yeah. even take a chance and and the, the the side trail for that which is the falls river track i think it's called it just looks so uninviting because you're on this nicely graded track and immediately it's like up on the bank of the track and then it goes straight up on this really thin narrow and eroded track mm. so it it didn't look very inviting and i'm glad that we didn't Take yep. the long way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and based off your earlier comments, I'm assuming you didn't have a swim at Cleopatra's pool? No, we didn't. It was a bit cold. I did dunk my head in the water and, you know, washed off because it was, it was, you know, not not warm, but it's that, you know, you're walking and yeah. exerting yourself. So, yeah. So moving on from Cleopatra's pool, you kind of head towards the beach and then up into the forest where there was some really cool things and structures there for you to explore yeah um so i mean before that we went through torrent bay which is the little village and it had it was like a little beach community uh and then from there you head in inland and up through the rainforest and part of that is um and, and probably the main feature of the day is that you cross a pretty big swing bridge over the falls river which i remember you telling me you kind of had a bit of a you were held up because I, you I have, was held there, up. There was, it's one of those bridges where you can only cross with X amount of people on it and you had a giant family coming one way. And they were not very considerate. They were walking really slowly and stopping to take photos. And I understand, you know, I get it. Um, but I was like, God damn it. <laughs> this is taking forever. And me, who was quite far behind, kind of caught up quite fast yeah. after that. Yeah. Impatient Donnie getting a bit, <laughs> a bit hot under the collar. I was. I mean, it, it was fine, but I, I kind of was hoping that they would hurry up. <laughs> Whereas I think when I went over, I had a boat. 
kind Ooh. of cruise under me and they were like hello <laughs> it was so, really nice though like yeah. the, the view of the river because it's like a sort of a, a deep um sided river with you know cliffs on both sides and yeah it looked really stunning and how does the rainforest compared to elsewhere you've seen like tassie or queensland i think very gondwanan looking like very you can similar. see you can see the relationship i think more ferns more variety of ferns yeah is the feeling i got also, a lot of um, beach. So they've got uh, rel- relatives of the deciduous beach that you see in Tassie there. I think they're not deciduous, although I might be wrong, but they look like the leaves look very similar. And they are, in fact, um, not, that, not that distantly related. Quite a lot of manuka as well. The flowers, the little white flowers of the manuka mm. tree were out, which was really sweet. Yeah, sort of. There were times where you go more towards like a a drier, sclerophyll-looking kind of forest. And in those, there was manuka. And then you'd go into more of a beach and rainforesty kind of look. Mm-hmm. And being the high point of the day, did you get any cool views looking back towards the beach or the ocean? Yeah, there was some. Uh, from the top of, just after Torrent Bay Village, there's a nice lookout back, looking back across there. And you get to see the... Um, the inlet towards Torrent Bay. But a lot of it was it was more glimpses than than views. A lot of, you know, dense forest and you got to look down to a few of the bays, but not as uh not as nice as as having, you know, clear open views all the time. Mm. And that brings you down to Bark Bay and the hut for the evening. Um yep. Not as good as your first experience, but still looked pretty cool there. Yeah, it was, so, it was... I think it was an older hut. Yeah. So kind of like a more of a traditional, what you remember huts to be like. Hmm. It's it's kind of like for people who've done the Overland, like say like a Kia Aura, or they've just replaced it by Waterfall Valley, that kind of a hut where there's, you know, very utilitarian, one plank... Uh, one plank above the top of it, and people sleep like sardines next to each other. Mm. Except that this is, has two rooms, so it has two rooms like that. However, we managed to score. So if you go there, uh, to the right of the building, there's a third room, and they don't always open it, but it was open, and there were two bunks left. And so we, again, were able to sleep in single bunks, mm. which was very good. So there's a bit of a theme for this <laughs> this walk is starting early and getting to the huts to get Absolutely. a good position. We we were able to get our pick of the rooms pretty much every day because we were one of the first people there. I think also we were starting early because it we were finding the the it was very sunny, so mm. we were finding the days quite warm and we we much prefer to get up and get going pretty fast in the coolness of the morning. So by the time we kind of got there around lunchtime, the heat of the day mm. had only just started to kick in. Mm. So it made it for a much more pleasant walking. I should say that hot is a relative word because the highs were 21. But it's a humid heat over there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But it's not, you know, like I think even on the hottest day, I was like, this is paradise compared to, uh, you know, a West Australian well, summer. We were probably getting in the, the 40s and late 30s. <laughs> yeah. And that sun really did come down on you. Like the UV was quite high. So I think my arms in the pictures, you can see I look really red <laughs> and my nose got a bit burnt. Yeah. Um, yeah. So even though it's quite low, it still felt quite biting. Yeah. Um, one thing I kept meaning to ask is how do they police who's there and who's not? Like, is there a ranger that comes in and checks that everyone's got their permits and everything yeah. each night? So they have a hut warden at every hut oh, yeah. and they are checking every single person. Oh, yeah. And we asked them what happens if someone shows up and they don't have the ticket. They said, well, they get out. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> cool. So moving on to day three, which is Bark Bay. Christmas Day. To our rower. Yeah. I'm going to say, yep. So this Close was Alyssa's favorite day yes. of hiking ever. Ever? Um, I don't know. At the time I you said like, that. I feel like, yeah, at the time, but that's because <laughs> it was at the time. But it was pretty great. It was Christmas Day. So 
Were yeah. there any presents? Did you guys bring like sneaky presents along to open that morning? No. We mm. had like food and drink presents. We had whiskey and a special dehydrated dessert Ooh. at the ready. But um, no, I think it was my favorite because the day wasn't intense. And we, because there was um, some really great advice that we got from the hut warden the night before. So there's uh, a lodge that is on the way to the next hut. And if you look at the map, you've got two, two options. You can either cut down to the lodge um, and then to go back, cut back up and then follow the path for another hour to the hut. Or you can go the ranger's suggested route, which was cut down to the lodge. And then there's an alternative sneaky path where you kind of follow just around the coast and it cuts out an hour of going up and down and you get to go past the lodge. Um, and when you say lodge, this is like cafe with food and drinks and oh, everything. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a fancy, nice cafe. I with- think it's... It, we, I had a look at it for potentially staying the night, but it was too expensive. However, it was well worth visiting for the, uh, you know a nice cooked meal. Mm. Originally, we were there going there for the beer, but we didn't make it in time because they had this funny law where they, you know, you ha- can't serve it until this certain time of the day. You must have it with a meal and we'd already eaten. But it was well worth it for the food. And it was a lovely morning because we ended up walking with two of the other hikers that we had were following the same schedule of, Jul- Julius and Lisa. Yep. Um, so it was lovely. We got talking all morning. Was it too crazy of a walk? Um, quite peaceful and beautiful scenery and then we came to a lodge and had brunch and then we took the shortcut down through the beach and the walk um down the beach and we did a little crossing um and then into the hut it was just just stunning yeah The, the had beautiful mountain views with the the water in front of you the inlet yeah because you cross um they said oh it's a tidal thing and we th- we had met a guy that said, oh, please, just wait, you know, wait half an hour. But um, Lisa decided she was going to see how deep it was, and it was no more than knee deep. And we were just like, "What? what's the problem? We'll just go now. Yeah. So we walked across, and you walk around. So it's along the river at first, and then you get to the Awaroa um, Inlet, and then you kind of skirt around the edge. And this inlet's, unlike the other ones, is a massive inlet. And you just have these views of, you know, the water filled, filling the inlet and then mountains all around it. Um, well, I say mountains, but, you know, by Tassie, um, by New Zealand standards, they're just hills. Ant hills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was just fantastic. And I think because normally when there's these, like, oh, there's a restaurant along the walk, mm. it there's a penalty for it. But this was a double reward because it was a shortcut and food as well hmm. so it's a private lodge so it's not like it's a, a settlement or anything that people can just drive straight in do you have to walk there yeah um you can fly in but that's it or, or, or there's a water taxi yeah. pickup point and drop off point okay. so the water taxi is very busy at different points along the the whole able tasman hmm. Hmm. yeah and being christmas you were very lucky that it was actually open that day yes we were somewhat uh in disbelief because you know these things don't always open but as soon as we got there there's a photo of melissa outside the building and the joy in her face is a hundred percent palpable palpable yeah. <laughs> uh, which is quite different to some of the other faces that you see on the website of <laughs> melissa in puddles in the rain yep up mountains yeah um, so what was the the walk like from the lodge to the hut then with full bellies and it was flat happy. so it was easy <laughs> um earlier in the day i must i must say that the scenery was lovely as well you know there were really beautiful beaches i guess the the thing is it's it's a lot of the same sort of stuff but it's the sort of same stuff that we really like cuz we both really love beach walking like coastal walking and uh gondwan and rainforest so you know, if you've got a lot of that, that's perfectly fine. And again, the path is so easy because it's graded the whole way. Mm. Like you're not spending time kind of, yeah, fiddling around with rocks and mud. And yeah, it was super nice and easy, 
like you could take in the beautiful scenery without worrying about mm. falling. So. And what was the beach walking like? Was that soft sand or fairly hard sand? Very firm. Um, I will say though that the sand is very coarse compared to uh, WA beaches where you get this nice fine sand. Yeah. Uh, it was not powdery at all. Um, and while very beautiful, um, and while the walk is probably well, you know, better constructed than a lot of walks in Australia, not as nice as West Australian beaches, I will say. So we've still got one thing that's keeping you here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you compare them to um, the, the ones in Cape Le Grand, there's no comparison. Mm. The beaches are nicer looking. But then, on the other hand, there's no rainforest on the beach, which is what they have here. So mm. it's a trade-off. And Arawawa Roa Hut, um, is that the old style again or is that a comfort uh, lodge? Yeah, it's, it's an old style. I think okay. it's a nicer hut. Uh, but the main, so, you know, there were bunk rooms, there were three bunk rooms and they're all sort of the platform sardine style. But the best thing about it is the entertainment because it's near a crossing where the next day, so the only tidal crossing of the Abel Tasman that you have to do is the Awaroa Inlet. And there's a grassy area overlooking it. And it was great because people get impatient and they go, oh, it's almost time and we'll, we'll go now, you know, even though they really should wait another half hour or an hour. And it's just great watching people make foolish decisions. <laughs> um, you know, it's good entertainment. So it, it filled the afternoon more than any other hut, I reckon. You can imagine you sitting there with your whiskey just to be like, ho, 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 It pretty much was. I think, and there was a lot of um, campers that were keen to cross. And then there'd be the couple of brave ones. Oh, I, I say brave, but maybe there's a different word for it. Foolish. Yeah. For people <laughs> who are like, yeah, who would go ahead without really thinking. And then you see them slowly trying to carry their pack above their head <laughs> as they're wading. I mean, the water wasn't super... It's not hard flowing. It was just deep. Mm. And yeah. Because we... they went... Everyone that tackled it got through, although I don't know how dry their pack was by the end. Because <laughs> yep. we, we went for a swim when the tide was up and we noticed that it, it seems good most of the way. And then you go out to the middle and suddenly just drops down deep because mm. there's basically a river... That's the Awarowa River flows through the inlet and there's always water coming through. And because mm. of that, there's a current through the middle and it, it's carved a deeper section. Mm. And there's like these tides are not like your one meter tides that we get here. These are proper four or five meter That's right. tides. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can understand why people get caught out. The other good thing about this day was there was a shower. Yeah. So yeah, That's another cool. amenity that... Yeah, we didn't expect. I bought a little bar of soap just in case, and this is where it paid off. So we had a shower that night too. So, yeah, all in all, it yeah, was like... A good best Christmas ever. A really good Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. And what was the dehydrated uh, dessert? I think it was the apricot crumble. It was, the, yeah. Um, the, I think it's the backcountry apricot crumble. Yeah. Which is not too bad. It was okay. But the apricots I should, are nice, but I should the crumble, say not so. That we brought our own campus pantry stuff, so the, the Tasmanian stuff, because uh, we wanted to show those New Zealanders that <laughs> we make better freeze-dried meals. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, and on to day four, which is kind of the last of the full days. So mm. this is Awaroa to, and I'll let you pronounce this one. Yeah, okay, so th this... When you see the words, you think it's Wari Warangi, but it's actually Furry Furangi. So W-H equals F. Yeah, which I think is absolutely bizarre because it wasn't like, you know, with English, we've had vowels and, and consonants have changed because they standardized spelling of English before standardizing pronunciation and we had the, the vowel shift. But, you know, we... we you know, the, we, surely when they came to New Zealand and they they learnt the Maori languages, oh, we're gonna just you know write this in with the alphabet, that they would have gone, oh, okay, so uh, f sound, and not writ written a W. Like it should have either been P H 
or an F. <laughs> yeah, you get that within uh, like the Noongar language. There's no like right way to write it. Yeah, it's always different. So, but at least it's semi-phonetic. Yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it always reminds me of when I first heard you say um, the Ferengis from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Little Star Trek nerd stuff for you. Um, so this actually looked like quite a, a lovely day. This is the longest day at 17 kilometers. Yep. Um, and you guys had to be up quite early to do the, the tidal crossing when you were meant to be doing it. Yep. So the tide was at four o'clock, the low tide, and you can cross up to two hours after. The warden said, to be honest, you can probably go a little bit later. So we got up a little bit later than that because it was, you know, very early. But we, we woke up and there was this big, you know, flurry of activity of people getting ready and we were not the first to cross. There was quite a lot of people crossing and it was it was kind of weird because while we did see the inlet empty the previous day, actually walking it was a different experience. I definitely recommend bringing um, like camping sandals or jandals that they all call over there, which I'd never heard until New Zealand. That's Um, what they call thongs over there. Yeah, so I definitely recommend bringing those because of all the inlet crossings. And we had kind of gone, eh, we'll be fine. We just walk bare feet. And then after a while, there's like all these cockle shells and they just start Mm -hmm. to dig in and it's not fun. So, yeah, we definitely halfway kind of converted to our jandals. Yeah, well, I had my Keens Uniques and they... They're good looking. (laughs) They look good, but they were terrible Uh, for this because as you're splashing through the water, the bits of shell were getting stuck in my shoe. So more style over substance for those. Yeah, so I got to the other end and my feet were not in a good way. Um, so once you've crossed the inlet, um, the rest of the day actually looks very, very nice. It's a good mix of walking. I'd say this is probably one of the hardest days, both in terms of the kilometers, but also there's a lot of climbing up and down. But the payoff is that I think this is some of the nicest, both the nicest rainforest of the whole walk, as well as some of the nicest beaches. Because as Alyssa pointed out, Anchorage was very busy, but these beaches were much more secluded and quiet, and they had a wilder field as a result. Mm. There was certainly some spectacular headlands in the photos that you posted. Mm. Cool. And you said a bit of climbing. Didn't look like that much on the, the elevation chart, but lots of switchbacks involved. There, there was one that just was like quite quite uphill. Yeah. And it was short and sharp, but it was definitely sharp. It was a lot of switchbacks, and um, it looks like a blip on the elevation chart. I don't even know if that's accurate because it seems too short. Mm. But it was just like switch back, switch back, switch back all the way. And Rod, who on this day we we passed Rod a few times, and he'd overtake us. And he he said, oh, "This is ridiculous! Like we just keep getting these switchbacks." And um, part of it is that there was a landslide about ten years ago in part of the track. And you used to be able to just go straight across, and now they've had to go all the way up and across mm. the other side and then down. And that's on the way to Totaranui uh, Bay campsite. But you mentioned before just the quality of the rainforest was the payoff for that. So it's not like you were slugging up and down like sandy, weird hills that yeah. didn't really offer anything else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, to have a, a breather was not a bad thing because you just got a chance to really kind of take in the surroundings a bit more. Mm. See a wecker again. Yep. There was weckers everywhere. And you, is this the day you saw a wecker pull a worm out yes, of the earth? Yes, I did. Yep. Which <laughs> I thought was rather poetic because, you know, the early bird gets the worm and we were, at the end of the day, the early birds, but we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> so from Tutaranui campsite, um, then move on to the excellent coves and headlands and beaches the mm. second half of the day. So from Totaranui, there's, that's probably the only stretch of the track where it feels like you're doing a bit of road walking because you are. So you walk through the, the campsite there, which is a car camping area, and there is a low tide crossing, but we knew that it wasn't low tide anymore. And so we just went, we'll just take the, 
um, high tide route, which here wasn't super exciting. However, I remember, Alyssa, you th thought it had a bit of a Shire-like quality because of mm. the grasses, and there was a bit where we walked through a field. Um, so it was, it was different. Wouldn't say it was like it wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible either. It was just a different thing, and it didn't last very long. You know, like you're once you're off the road and you clear the the grassy field, we're back in rainforest and nice rainforest at that. So better road walking than WA. <laughs> yes, because it and also it wasn't like it wasn't kilometers and kilometers of it. Mm. You know, like whereas here they'll go, oh, this old dirt track is. Um, you know, perfectly fine for a very long stretch, especially if it's called Marin Road. <laughs> Your favourite. Yep. Um, so you mentioned back in the rainforest again. A few more hills here, and then you're onto the campsite. It's a good feeling being the longest day, seeing that downhill stretch into the camp. Yes, I should say that when you just before you get there, when you're at Mutton Cove, you have a choice. You can either go one way, which is 900 meters shorter, which is the direct route and only takes an hour, or you can take the longer way, which is 900 meters more, but takes two hours uh, because the terrain is so much more difficult going that way. However, that's that gives you the chance to see a place called Separation Point, which a lot of people say is worth seeing. However, we wanted to get to the hut. <laughs> and why is that, Donovan? <laughs> because uh, Furry Ferengi's probably the nicest hut, I reckon, of the lot on the uh, Abel Tasman. And there's four rooms to it. There's So as you walk in, there's one room that has a massive platform for the sardines and then a bunk uh, in the corner, one of which is short, so it's for a child. And then you can go upstairs and there's another room which is like a u-shape where it's packed in like sardines again uh, and if you're in the back corner you're you have to climb over people to get out so not great then we get to the good rooms so there's a room on the right side of the upstairs area and it has only three beds you've got a single bed on one side and a, and two side by side there so perfect for you know, a couple and a, and a child or a couple and one solo walker. But the best room of the whole place is just near the kitchen is a room that has a bench to sit down on and only two bunks. And you can close the door and it's a private room. And this is certainly a rarity on a public walk that a public hut has a, a a private room for two people mm. and because we got there early we got that room <laughs> so in this circumstance would you say that the long way was not yeah better? i would say that that would be true <laughs> ah, everyone mark these words yeah the website's gonna it. change to the route that gets the way that gets you to the good private room is better <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sometimes oh. shortcuts are okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to say that. <laughs> do you regret not going to separation point? I, I do a little bit, but then having such a fantastic sleep, um, no, I don't in that sense. And I'll say that this is something that we both felt doing this walk was that we slept better than we did in most hut-based walks because I think the, the level of anxiety that you sometimes feel in a shared space I'm a snorer. Alyssa's had mats that have, you know, have inflamed very angry German men. <laughs> um, so, you know, we didn't have those issues because they had the huts all have actual mats to sleep on. And because in both of these, in most of the huts, we were able to have a single bunk by ourselves, like a bed and not be a, in the sardines situation. So we only had one night like that out of the whole lot. And I think that that really, to me, I went, oh, this is, this is the answer. This is how all huts should be. You know, I think either, either it's a tent or you go to this extreme when you have, have the mats. Because if you don't, then the in-betweens are just compromised and they're, they're not really great in that sense. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think all real trail or real track talk listeners will want to know, did Boris come along on this journey? Yes, he did. <laughs> he enjoyed it very much. And um, he in in Furry Ferengi Hut, there's a... I didn't share it on the blog, but he did, you know, look out pensively <laughs> into the world outside the window. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> um, so the last day kind of like a half day just to get back to where you would get your bus off yep. back off to civilization um looks like a pretty big hill to finish though it is it's the biggest of the trip but it didn't feel that way no it was quite we i think we revved ourselves up for like yep let's come on the big hurrah and then by the time we got to the peak we were like oh okay we're done <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was it <laughs> like i actually um didn't take photos as much on the ascent because i thought that we were, there was going to be more and then i got to the top and went oh shit i missed, <laughs> I missed my photos <laughs> um yeah so we we got to the end and um i think what's really nice is even though this day is short and it's really just like you go up and then you go down and then you get to the end is that the view on the way down is really fantastic because you get a view of Wainui Bay. And Wainui Bay is part of the greater Golden Bay area, which is, you know, mar- you know, I think people tend to think of it as like one of the nicest areas for weather in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And yes, I can't argue with that. Yeah, it was beautiful going down. And it was kind of switchbacks on the way down and you're just overlooking the cove the whole time. And I just kept remembering saying to you, like, this is amazing. Look out. This is the best ending of a walk that I yep. think I'd ever been on. But then I felt like I was saying that about everything. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best. Um, yeah, it was definitely a big high to end on with that mm. view kind of coming down back into the bay. Yeah. And I should say that some people do a longer version of the last day. So what some people do is they loop back to Totara, they loop back to Totaranui. And there's a water taxi that can pick you up and take you back to Marahal? Still don't know. Yep. <laughs> uh, so that's another option, but we decided to just finish at a Wainui Bay. We, we were going to organize a bus, and that's what happened. However, it is a bit of a windy drive back, and I got a bit car sick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was there a grand uh, archway to finish as well? Yes. Yes kind of bookmarks it really nicely mm. and we yeah. kind of we were the first ones back out and then it was nice to see all the familiar faces of people that we'd kind of seen along the hike mm. kind of come through so that was nice we did some nice slow claps for a few people <laughs> as they passed the finish <laughs> yeah <laughs> which was fun so yeah very good four and a half day multi-day yep it's a really great memory i'm really glad we did it yeah, yeah. Don in the last podcast did say it's um probably the it was the first multi-day that Alyssa didn't cry on so it must have been Yay. very very good <laughs> i didn't cry at all and and i think that you you finished this in a in a better mood about hiking for, that you've been in for a while because i think that you you've had anxieties about sleeping in in huts and and the challenge of things and this was certainly well within your comfort zo- comfort zone compared to other hikes we've done yeah i think it's just getting more confident as well with everything in hiking it's not just the days of walking Mm. which is often what you focus so much on it's also like all the other intricacies of of a hike where you the social element sometimes gives me anxiety of like who are the people will we get along am i in their way and then all the sleeping things where Mm. am i making too much noise and yeah so but this this i felt really welcomed by everyone i think we were really really lucky to have so many nice people around us and then also the facilities just kind of also made that all kind of meld together Mm. nicely too i think you know one of the things i've always felt with multi-days is the worst part of a multi-day is the sleep and i didn't feel that way about this walk and that to me was a really big eye-opener and i think because of that I'd, i'd be very much inclined to go back and hike more in new zealand because i think that the huts are really well set up to take that sort of what can be quite an awful part of the hiking experience out of the equation. 
you did come back and say I'm a complete convert to the hut hiking system. <laughs> <laughs> I did, yes. I think, you know, comfort and and I think that the public huts in New Zealand other than the three capes don't go far enough. I think they should go to the full New Zealand model. Uh, I think as as we were saying, we we said if it's a tent then you have the privacy and it's nice for that reason. But if you're going to do a hut, do it correctly. And I think New Zealand have got have got it right. I feel like on Tongariro, I kind of would have liked to have had a night in a, in a tent. Yeah. But that's a different story for another time. Yeah. I guess you guys had a different experience in that you were always there to get the good spots. You might have felt a bit different had you have been a sardine on a couple of yes. those nights yes because I, I definitely had always said to Don if we're going to get to the hut I'd much prefer to sleep on a corner where you've got a I would like a wall next to me so it's not just mm. I'm sandwiched between strangers mm. um, but yeah, I mean that's that's lucky. your choice if you don't get up early <laughs> then you don't get the reward you know like that's this is how it is yeah. and it's also like I mean, hike your own hike the old adage of like some people want to stop and that's the sacrifice they're happy to make mm. yeah and that's that's up to them and everyone's got their own way yep. so all in all Alyssa did a great job of choosing this hike fantastic job yeah, yeah. very enjoyable I think yeah. from now on I'm going to choose all the hikes <laughs> <laughs> the conclusion from this uh, and favorite moment from this particular hike I know what mine is. You go ahead. Mine is um, Christmas Day, walking after having that brunch and then take, having taken the shortcut, walking along the beach to see the hut and the beautiful view and just having such a nice day, walking with nice people and nice food. And yeah, that was a really nice moment. Yeah, I'd say that that's, that's a really good, you know, I think you're right there. That was an amazing time. And I think it was a nice surprise like that, that, way of going around wasn't a compromise it was actually a really nice way to walk and yeah. different from what we'd seen so yeah i'd have to agree with you yeah, mm. cool um if you want a visual guide as you're listening to this um provided you're not driving at the time visit the long ways better um and yeah look at all the great photos that donovan took so yeah thanks very much that is part one of our great walks of tasmania so stay tuned in two weeks yep for part two which is the tongarira northern circuit yep that's right um and if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episodes of real trail talk uh, ratings really help uh, for us to reach an audience who may also enjoy this episode if you had any questions or suggestions for future episodes you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or you can contact us through our social media channels. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.